So for the last four years, I have started the year with a three-month training season to help me get ready to run a half marathon. Now, two years ago, I decided that I would run a half marathon in one hour and 45 minutes. And to situate that time for you, I'll say it like this. I am slower than many runners, but I'm faster than most. And so what happened was my, my work towards that goal was thwarted by COVID two years ago when two days before the big race, everything was shut down. And then uh, last year, I ran virtually. And that was on the heels of me actually uh, dealing with COVID myself. And my time ended up being one hour and 59 minutes. Now, two weeks ago, I ran the United NYC Half Marathon in one hour, 44 minutes. <laughs> and 12 seconds. Now, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that because it was the hardest thing I had done and I burst into tears when I saw my family. Um, but it was amazing. And at the same time, I'm planning to run again in May. And so one of my very close friends, I was telling her this about the time I ran and the fact that I'm going to run it again. And she was like, why? <laughs> I said, well, I know I can do better. And then she was like, uh-uh, girl, why? And I said, well, you know, I, I have been working, and I know that this other time, this faster time, is what I can accomplish. Amber, why? And I said, well, okay, because I do it well, I run well, and I like to feel successful. And when I run, it, that's what does it for me. And then she continued to push me on this desire I had to run again and to go after what I had already accomplished. And I'm going to be honest with you all, family, because we're going to be family today. We already are family, but I'm going to be honest and I'm going to tell you what I told her in that moment. I said, you know what? I struggle to believe that I am enough in more than a few areas of my life. And so I crave the moments that tell me and confirm for me that I have done well. And so whatever I can do to feel or see or hear that Amber has done a good job, that is what I go after. And I think wanting to do well is a good thing. So for me, in my life, it would, it's what drives me to do my best and to be my best. But when I'm really honest with myself, when I actually get the things that I desire and it's still not enough, what does that mean? And I would say that there's a reason that things seem to make us want more and they leave us unfulfilled. And I think one of the reasons is because we don't really understand our needs in the first place. And we don't know what will truly satisfy them. And then as a result, we then seek out the wrong solutions. And so the things we do tend to completely miss the mark or they might offer quick fixes 
But even when we do succeed, even when we do get the thing, at some point we're going to come crashing back down and go for more. And so we're going to look at a scripture today that's going to help us understand what we really need. And in it, Jesus says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst, not after sufficiency or enoughness, as I like to call it, but after righteousness. Now, for you, as you're listening, you may not be in search of enoughness, but aren't we all in search of something? right? I mean, maybe you crave acknowledgement of your hard work every single time you do something. Or maybe you always need to be seen as trustworthy and reliable so when people ask you to do things, you will never say no. Or maybe you seek independence or growth and you don't really want to be tied down. You need your freedom. Now, I think that these things are not necessarily bad because we could look at his life and say, you know, a lot of those things, being dependable, being trustworthy, working hard, those are the things that lead us to success. But what we're going to look at is the way that Jesus offers a radical new category of need. And it's a category of need that's going to change us from the inside out. And now, if this is your first Sunday with us, or you've been around as we've been in this series, we are in the Beatitudes. And this is what I like to call Jesus' sermon on the attitudes that ought to be. And he provides these, he shares these with his disciples if we are to live as citizens in his kingdom. And he talks about these attitudes as the things that make us blessed or able to experience the full joy of God as we allow him to shape us. And what we've seen so far through this series is that Jesus is calling us to a way of being. All right, so it's not just what we think or what we do or what's on the outside. This is a full and complete transformation from our hearts because as Proverbs 4.23 says, every single thing that we do, that we think, that we feel flows from our hearts. And in our message today, my hope is that we would get honest about our deepest needs so that we would be honest about who it is that satisfies them all. And so we're in Matthew 5, 6 today, and it's up on the screen. You can pull out your Bibles. Let's get into it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So we're going to go ahead and ask ourselves why Aren't we hungering and thirsting after righteousness like we do all of those other things? So I think we're going to need to look at righteousness first and ask ourselves, do we even know that word? Like, do we get what that word is saying? And many of us, maybe we know it from a dictionary. And if we were to look at the dictionary, it would say it is the quality of being morally right, But there's more to it when we're talking about kingdom living. And when I talk about kingdom living, I'm talking about living according to God's plan. 
He has set a standard for our character, for our actions, for our words and our attitudes to be acceptable to him. And so when we're talking about righteousness, we're talking about always right. We're talking about perfect, honest, justice, self-sacrifice, love, holiness. And it sounds so good, doesn't it? I mean, when we think about those things, wouldn't our lives be different? Wouldn't this world be different if we were even just to aspire to those things every single day? But what happens is, is that this goes against what I think is the way we are conditioned to think about what we need. Righteousness at times, it doesn't seem to serve us immediately. And we desire instant gratification, right? When we're hungry, we eat. And there are times we do seek God to make things happen in our lives that may come out immediately. Like maybe you asked him for, you know, the new job offer, the promotion that you had desired. But that's not the same thing as hungering for righteousness. Because here, what we see when we're honest is that righteousness is something that we can't ever fully attain on our own, right? See, our righteousness was given to us through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe that he lived, that he died on the cross and was resurrected for the forgiveness of all of our sins. It is through Jesus that our righteousness is accepted. And in fact, in Romans 3.10, Paul says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And so if we cannot be righteous, why is it that God, that Jesus tells us to hunger and thirst for it? So in order to understand that, let us look at this beatitude in two parts. The first one is Jesus knows our needs. And then the second part we'll look at is that Jesus satisfies them all. So Jesus knows that we have earthly needs and he is not overlooking that. In fact, this is what he acknowledges here by saying hunger and thirst. Those are real physical needs. And then throughout the Beatitudes up until this point, he says, you are poor, you are sad, you are grieving, you are lowly. I know you're in need. But what Jesus wants to fully have us capture is in what he's saying, we're going to need to recognize who he is speaking to and where he is at this time in the biblical world. So what we think about hunger and thirst, perhaps we're thinking, wow, I did not eat before I came to church today and I'm really hungry and I can't wait to go eat that brunch afterwards. And then we'll be filled, right? That is not what his audience would have heard. In biblical days, there was destruction, there were crop failures, there was war that swept through nations, leaving a trail of misery and death. There was no supply chain. There was no brunch. There was no refrigerator to quench or fulfill the hunger that they felt 
And perhaps we can further paint this picture for ourselves because if Jesus was here today, he might be speaking to the people of Mariupol, Ukraine, where they live inside of the city and they are texting those of us on the outside and they're saying there is no roof, there is no water, there is no food. And those who escape that city, they describe their experience with food once it becomes available again. And they say, I need to be surrounded by food. I am obsessed with food. One survivor shared that she now craves a full meal every single hour, needing to eat as much as possible. And so when we're thinking about Jesus and this word, we need to think about how his hearers, how his audience would have heard what he is saying because when they heard hunger and thirst, they were thinking about the drought and they were thinking about the famine or the war that they were in the midst of or had experienced and they knew how bad things could get and they understood the desperation that hunger brought forth. And so the last thing that they would have thought would have brought about blessedness was hunger and thirst. And this is intentional. This is the way Jesus does this because he is talking about an earthly need that they understand and then he adds on the spiritual component to it because in order for them to fully understand the depth of his solution, Jesus needed to communicate to them the depth of their need. And so this is how great our need is, hungering and thirsting. This is how much he wants us to want righteousness, the attitude that makes us blessed and able to experience the fullness of God comes from that. And so blessed are you if you hunger, not after security, not after significance, but if your hunger and thirst is for God's righteousness. And so Jesus isn't dismissing our earthly needs. And we can look at another scripture to help us understand how much he understands what our earthly needs are. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33, he says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these earthly things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, at this point, Jesus had just finished explaining that he makes sure the birds are fed and the grass in the field grows. And he says, are you not much more valuable to me than that? So you see, we know we have basic needs. We need food, we need water, we need financial stability, we need emotional security. Those things matter to God. But instead of living in constant worry and fruitless fear, Jesus is giving us, his followers, a different outlet for our energy. He's saying, pursue God's righteousness, his kingdom, trust him, and take and leave it to him to take care of all of our needs. 
So here's our second point, that it is Jesus that satisfies all of our God-given needs. And when we hear that, right, we might roll our eyes a little bit because you're like, here we go with some Christianese telling me that, yes, the Lord Jesus provides. But that is true. And it is, this, it is essentially what Jesus wants us to understand because we were made to long for him. There is nothing he wants more for us than to want him. And so we were made to be with God. And there is a longing from the depths of our souls to be with him. We can look at Psalm 42.1 where the psalmist says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. So when Jesus calls us to hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's bringing us back to the original plan, to the garden, when he had provided for all of our needs. God supplied our needs and then designed us to rely on him to do so. Now, I want us to think about this question in relation to how we were designed. What do you think God hoped for when he created you? What do you think God's plan is for your life? Do you think that when he created you, he said to himself, yes, my child will spend all of their energy and time pursuing career growth and money? Do you think that he was thinking that you would need to hunger and thirst for significance or connection? When he designed us, God designed us to pursue him relentlessly. And there's a scripture in one of the gospels where Jesus spends time with a woman at the well. And what he says in that moment to her, changes her life. And I hope that we would encounter and meditate on this scripture in the same way. As she dipped her ladle, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Because indeed the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life, one that does not run dry. And what we might want to understand that was going on and why Jesus said this to this woman is that um, the woman has gone to a well at a time of day when she thinks no one else is there and she's been ostracized for having more than a few husbands and she is desperate to avoid attention. But Jesus He was right there. He met her there to tell her what she really needs. And he is the source. And as we meditate on this scripture and in this moment, perhaps we see the way that we are just like that woman at the well. Because we too try to address our spiritual needs with worldly solutions. So for those of us who constantly go after meaningless relationships, 
At the root of that is a search for connection. And those of us who seek out a glass of wine at the end of a long, hard day, maybe we're in search of comfort. And those of us who are bouncing around from job to job to job, never feeling settled, what we need is peace. And at the root of our need and our craving for approval, for affirmation, for good job, you've done well, is a search to hear and know deep in our souls that we are enough. It is connection, it is peace, it is comfort. These are the things that our Father wants for us. He designed us for. But it is the way that we go about getting them that is the problem. Because those things always leave us thirsty. The way that Jesus told the woman at the well, well, if you get this water, you'll have to keep coming back. Because he's saying, I am the source of the water that will keep you quenched. And so we misunderstand when we keep going the same things over and over again that they do not quench us. And it is Jesus who tells us that if we're going to be filled, that it is he who provides. If we are going to trust him and allow him to fill us up in the way that he has designed and it glorifies him to do, then we're going to need to examine our spiritual appetites. That means that we need to understand our desire and we need to understand the extent to which we satisfy our need for God. Now, a friend of mine recently told me, I need to start my day with Jesus every day because I know how much I need him. And now she wasn't talking about needing him to make sure the trains actually showed up on time. And she didn't need him to make sure that her boss didn't get on her nerves or that her presentation went well. She was talking about a healthy spiritual appetite meaning that there was this passionate desire for God and her struggle to be like him in the world. And this is more than seeking out God to change our situation or our circumstances or to do the list of things that it is that we ask him to do for us every single day. This is wanting God to change our whole being that the way that we crave is for grace to show mercy, that we would yearn for thoughts that focus us on the greater things that he has for us, that we long for day in and day out the peace of God. David, in Psalm 63, verses 1 and 4, he says, You, God, are my God, and I earnestly... I sincerely, I fervently, without ending, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land, hung this dry and parched land that we live on, where there is no water, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. But that's not how we experience God, is it? Maybe you all hear that and you recognize that your appetite is dull. 
Maybe you're thinking, do I even have an appetite for God at all? You're looking for fullness from other places, and maybe you're even getting some type of fulfillment, right? But just like we eat unhealthy junk food that tells us we're full for maybe a moment, that which is not of God dulls our spiritual appetites for him. And we end up snacking our way through the day on junk food activities. And then we end up finding that we have no time to feast with God. We desire everything but him. And so what ends up happening, though, right, is that we take God in in small doses, right? We might say, thank you, Jesus. We might even wake up and say, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it and keep on moving with our day. And maybe some of us are here right now because we hope that it is this day that we can catch up on our time with the Lord. But what we find is that that is not enough. And we are starving. We are parched. And we are experiencing the consequences of doing life without a healthy spiritual diet. We are missing out on the nourishment of God. And we're trying to fill that hole with things like money and accolades and status and good jobs, the things that will never satisfy us. And so what ends up happening, just like when we don't eat enough, our bodies begin to shut down, our broken and bruised hearts are unable to function properly. We need the real nourishment of God. We need his love, his comfort, his connection, his peace, his confidence. And so as we start to ask ourselves, what is my spiritual appetite? What am I filling myself with that falls short every single time of what it is that God offers in his righteousness? We can do a couple of things. We can take a couple of steps. And the first step is, starts with a request. What we need to understand about our longing is that God is behind our desires. In Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So anything we're feeling right now when it comes to hunger and thirsting for righteousness first started in God putting that urge in us. And so we can come to God just like David did in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me. Bring me back to you, Lord, to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And the second thing that we can do is to take stock of our spiritual appetite. Take a look at what we are doing. How are you spending your time? Some of us work really long hours, right? And some of us even do church things a lot. 
I know some of y'all found a way to get into a DNA group and a growth group, and you're singing in, and you're singing in the Easter choir. You are here on Sunday. You're going to be there on Good Friday service too, right? We fill our time and our church activities up. Let's think back to the before times, before COVID. Some of y'all, and I've seen your Instagram posts, post your Sunday meal planning for the week, right? All the pictures of all the meals you set up and all your veggies and all your proteins and all your fruit. You got your two liter bottle of water already set for the week. And I wonder for us who put that much planning into our physical appetites, how would your spiritual appetite measure up? Do you see a day filled with healthy doses of Jesus from the time you wake up until the time you go to sleep? Or is Jesus just a snack you enjoy on Sundays? And once we look at what we are filling our time with, then we can go on to step three, which is to evaluate then the needs we're trying to satisfy. Why have you filled yourself up with all of these things? What is at the root of what you are doing? What is at the root of the multiple relationships? What is at the root of your obsession with organizing? What are you really craving? And I'm going to be honest with you, this takes prayer to humble ourselves, to understand what is it, Lord, that I am seeking. And it takes accountability like my friend gave me when she kept asking me, why, why, why? And for some of us, we might need therapy to really unpack what is at the root of the decisions we make and the ways that we spend our time. And then step four, when we do the heart work of understanding what it is that we think we need, then we can see what we really need. And we need to determine what is not spiritually healthy and replace it. Now, have you ever seen those posts? You've gone online and see those posts that were like, if you really want potato chips, here's this other thing you can have instead, right? So like maybe they're saying, listen, you don't need potato chips. If you want that feeling, you want that fullness, get a cucumber and a hummus sandwich because it's crunchy, it's still salty, and it's creamy too. You didn't even know you wanted that, but that's what you got. That's what we get when we hunger and thirst for righteousness above all else because it satisfies our need from the root in ways that we don't even understand that we are uh, designed to want. Now, Jesus says in Luke 4, verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God And in that moment, Jesus had just spent 40 days in the wilderness, and he was hungry. He had that physical need. And so Satan snuck in and was like, let me offer you some food. And Jesus denied it. He turned him down because he said his real needs would only be satisfied by God. And so this week, 
And over time, as we marinate and meditate on what it means to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, perhaps we will slow down and give ourselves a moment to silently welcome God into our hearts. Maybe this week, instead of posting something to glorify yourself, you will take a moment to list all the blessings that God has already given you that day. We understand this world is hard and it has conditioned us to think, to make us think we need all of these things. So we go after these things to make this world less hard when really what we're seeking is to be seen. We want to be known. We want to be loved. And there's a scripture that we're going to end with to help us understand what Jesus says about our desire to be seen, known, and loved. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? It is Jesus who fulfills our needs. Let us pray. Father God, you know our needs. You know what sits in the longing in our hearts when we are lonely, when we seek to fulfill our needs in ways that leave us thirsting and yearning and wanting more. And Lord, you want to give us our daily bread. Would you help us to seek you fully, to hunger and thirst for you, Lord, for your righteousness, because you are the only one who can satisfy our needs. Amen.